Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. My name is Movie Mike. I am on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Destro. That's Mike, D-E-E-S-T-R-O, if you want to follow me over there. And on this episode, what we're talking about is the greatest road trip movies of all time. I'm not talking about the actual movie Road Trip, which will actually make the list, but I'm just talking about movies where the whole plot line of the movie is it's a character trying to get to a different destination and pretty much the entire movie takes place over the course of a trip. It's summertime now, but we probably won't get to take many trips this summer, so I feel like we can all live through some good movies about trips that we wish we were taking. So that's what pretty much the whole basis of this episode is about. I asked a bunch of you guys on Twitter what were your favorites, so I incorporated that into the list. And if you don't follow me over there, that's why you got to do it. You can get in on what the episode's going to be about each week. I'm also trying out a new segment called Rotten Movie Reviews. Well, I will intentionally watch a bad movie with a low Rotten Tomato score rating and see if it is actually that bad. And this week, I am going with the king of the lowest rated Rotten Tomatoes movies, Adam Sandler. And I'm talking about one that not only has a part one, but it has a part two, and neither of them has above a 10% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So I thought that was a good place for this segment to start. We'll find out if those movies were actually that bad after I watched them. It's all part of this experiment I'm trying out. And before we get into that, just thanks to you for hitting download, hitting play on this episode. That means a lot to me. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, well, what are you waiting for? Just hit that subscribe button, hit that follow button wherever you're listening to right now, and you get brand new episodes every single Monday. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I know I say this all the time, but it really does make a world of difference. Just leave that five-star rating, write a quick little review on there. It takes like maybe 10 seconds to do, and it helps me kind of compete with some of the other movie podcasts out there because the higher up I can get on the list the movie podcast the more people who will hit play when they see my face on the thumbnail 
And I mean, I need all the help I can get. Have you seen my picture on there? Like, like hit that five stars. I can really use that. Anyway, without any further ado, let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. All right, so today we are talking about the greatest road trip movies of all time, and let me explain what that is. So I recently watched the movie Little Miss Sunshine for the very first time, and I thought it was a really great movie, and I kind of had this idea of like, oh, there's a whole category of just road trip movies. And I got to thinking of just the world we're living in today. We're probably not going to get to take a lot of road trips, a lot of vacations this summer. And I wanted to think of like, okay, what is the best movie I could watch to put me in that situation? And think like, okay, I would want to take that trip from a movie. So I also asked you guys on Twitter what your favorite road trip movies were. We'll get to some of those and I'll give you some of mine. But first of all, let's define what a road trip movie is. If that sounds maybe a little weird to you, you don't really get it. So a road trip movie... I would categorize as essentially, I'd say 80% of the movie has to be about a physical trip being taken. So it's a character or group of characters trying to get from point A to point B, and the whole movie is about their journey. Why I think this concept and plotline of a movie is so interesting, I just like that idea of characters having to get somewhere, and that idea of when they finally get there, what obstacles are they going to overcome or will they finally reach this point in their life where something is complete and i think a road trip movie is so great because you can really tell and like kind of expand on characters and get to know people how they deal with a road trip and there's just something so fun to me about a road trip movie because some of the greatest moments and memories of my childhood were taking long road trips so my parents are from mexico and every single summer and around Christmas time, we would take a trip from Texas to Mexico, which is about an 18-hour drive all the way around without stops and everything. And I always just thought, like, this feels like a movie sometimes. And some of the stuff that happened along the road, it was always so great and memorable to me. Like, crossing the border into Mexico was always a crazy thing. Coming back to the United States after and seeing, like, American signs and seeing the first McDonald's, I remember that always being awesome. And I would have loved to make a movie about that entire journey so I was thinking of movies like that that made me feel a certain way and I kind of got that feeling when I saw Little Miss Sunshine so I'll start with that one first now the movie came out back in the early 2000s and I remember thinking this movie was going to be a very like indie and kind of stylized movie and I knew Steve Carell was in it but I didn't really know kind of how funny it was going to be in kind of a dark way because it's kind of a dark comedy it starts out Again, I won't ruin any of these movies, but I do want to explain this movie because maybe if you see this movie, you just see the thumbnail and aren't exactly sure what it is. But it's about Steve Carell's character who he plays a gay man who just tried to commit suicide and he is taken out of the hospital and sent to live with his family. He gets to his family and there's this little girl who is essentially gets a call that's saying there's a big Little Miss Sunshine pageant all the way in California, and they have to drive from New Mexico to get there. And that's the basis of the movie, which I felt was kind of... I didn't know that the the title exactly translated into what the movie was about. And all the stuff that kind of happens along in this movie, I thought was great. This movie also just feels so... came out in 2006, and it has that really, like, mid-2000s feel, which I kind of wonder about 
when we look back on those early 2000s and you get movies made later along of like, oh, here's a movie about people that lived in the 2000s. I think if you watch this movie, you kind of get a little time capsule of what times were like then. Like cell phones were becoming more prominent, but they still like in their primitive stages of being like bulky and weird and the fashion and all that kind of stuff. Like I just think the early and mid 2000s are a very interesting time and I'm kind of starting to see this while going back and watching movies from that time of how we are defining that movie and defining that part of our culture, which I think is an interesting thing because now when you think about, you know, you think about people dressing like in the 80s, you get what that looks like. You get about what people will dress like if they're doing something for the 90s, you get that. And I still don't really have the 2000s in my head, but if you go and watch Little Miss Sunshine, you kind of get a feel for what that's going to be like whenever there's 2000s party here and maybe, I don't know, in the next five or 10 years. But anyway, I thought this movie was great. It has a bunch of laughs in it. It has some unexpected kind of off-the-wall moments within the story. And then the it gets pretty emotional there, like learning Steve Carell's story in this movie, the other kids in the family, and the dad who's kind of a jerk throughout the whole thing. It really had that feeling that I remember what it was like to take a road trip with my family. Like, you get into arguments, then everybody's happy, having fun, and then you get into the very low point, and then in this one, even something tragic happens. So I think it's cool to check out, especially if you're a Steve Carell fan. If you ever take a road trip with your family, I think this will resonate with you too. Now, the first one I mentioned on my Twitter and I started the whole thread where you guys replied to was Dumb and Dumber, which I feel is probably one of my favorite comedies of all time. And I think it works so well because it is essentially a road trip movie. It's Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels, and essentially they get this suitcase, and they're trying to get back to this owner. And the whole time, Jim Carrey in his head has this idea of that he's going to return the suitcase to her, this beautiful woman, and she's going to essentially fall in love with him. Now, that's what I loved about this movie and the way that it works with being a road trip movie, because... The whole time, he's just plotting in his head all these different scenarios of how it's going to work out for him, the things they're going to do, and then it ends up turning completely the other way around. And I think with this movie in particular, because there's so many funny stops on the way, and there's so many kind of things that happen, whether it's them getting pulled over and peeing in beer bottles and then having to have the cop drink it, or them stopping at a diner and getting in these fights with this trucker guy. I think it makes all these other little elements play out to where it kind of feels like you're taking the road trip with them. And therefore, I think it's a very rewatchable movie because you watch the movie again and it's almost like reliving a fun trip that you took with some friends. And as idiotic as they are and as stupid as this movie is, it's crazy that this movie works so well together and essentially skyrocketed Jim Carrey into being a comedy powerhouse and just somebody who we think is just funny in every single thing we see him in. And I think this was probably one of his best roles. And I also love going back and learning about this movie that a lot of the little scenes and stuff were just improvised in this, like everything from him walking out of that hotel bar and pointing at the, the sign on the, on the wall and being like, we landed on the moon. Or I think my favorite scene is probably when it's just this really small thing when he goes into the 7-Eleven, walks out, he sees two guys who actually weren't even working on the movie. And he's like, oh, big gulps, huh? All right, see you later. Like, that was an unscripted thing and seems like something so dumb to mention to somebody being your favorite part of that movie. But it's things like that that really stick out to me in this and why I had to include it on this list. Okay, and it really wouldn't be a road trip movie list without including the movie A Road Trip. And I'll have to put it in right here because I think this is one of the first movies I watched as a kid and it being a movie that I realized I wasn't supposed to be watching. So it came out in the year 2000. I was probably nine years, 10 years old when I actually got to see this movie. 
Uh, shout out to uh, Blockbuster VHS, my cousin renting it. And I find this movie so interesting now is because this kind of movie was so popular back in the day. The teen drama, which is essentially a bunch of horny teenagers trying to get lucky, is essentially every movie made after American Pie came out and was such a big success. They're like, all right, we're just going to dominate this kind of genre of movie. And if you look back in these kind of comedies from this time period, that's pretty much what they're all about is these horny teenager dudes trying to get with some chicks. But what's different about this movie is they're like, okay, well, let's take that same concept, but make it a cross-country road trip. So what the whole movie is about is the main character, played by Rick and Meyer. He accidentally films a tape hooking up with a different chick and sends it to his girlfriend who lives in Austin, Texas. So he travels from Ithaca all the way to Austin and takes a bunch of his crazy friends with him. And I kind of wonder how a movie like this would hold up to today because I was thinking about it and I really don't see nudity in movies anymore. Like, I can't remember the last time I went to a movie theater and saw a movie that just straight up showed nudity. It's very, I feel like that's an early 2000s things now. And I kind of wonder where that change came from because while you look at TV has gotten so much grittier and darker and you look at a show like Game of Thrones and there's just so much nudity in that. Now, maybe it's because it's kind of a trend thing back in the day to to market to younger people trying to watch a movie and being like, oh, there's here comes the naughty part. I think that was a little bit of it, too, and maybe it just kind of faded away. But even in like major movies where there's usually some kind of nudity or sex scene, I feel that's kind of shifted away from, you know, the way directors and stuff make movies now. And I think even seeing news stories now, how they're going to have to change how they make movies and where maybe even some of the like CGI kissing scenes will happen or you can't really have two people going at it on a movie screen anymore. I wonder if we'll move away even further from that. But it's just so rare to go back and watch movies like Road Trip, like old school, like American Pie, where it was just like, okay, here's the scene where this happens. Like it's just not a thing anymore. And maybe it's a good thing because I think there's nothing more awkward than watching a movie with nudity with your parents. So probably for teenagers now, it's maybe a good thing. I remember back in the day, we rented a movie from Blockbuster. I don't even think it was a Blockbuster. I think it was just this random rental VHS place inside of a grocery store in my hometown that we would rent movies from. And we're just like, okay, this movie would be good. Let's watch it. And there ends up being just a straight on full frontal nudity scene in it. And I'm like, oh crap, my mom has never hit stop on the VCR so fast. So maybe it was a good thing to get away from. All right, so one of my favorite road trip movies as a kid was a movie called Over the Top starring Sylvester Stallone. Now, if you don't remember this movie, it's a classic from the 80s. And I think why I loved it so much is because my dad's a truck driver and we bonded a lot over him being a truck driver. Sometime as a kid, I would go with him on his trips. Now, he would only travel in Texas, so it'd probably be we'd wake up really early, maybe like 3 a.m., and then we'd be back home before 5. But I'd never seen a truck driver, let alone a cool truck driver in a movie. And when this movie came out, I was like, holy crap, something for me and my dad to bond over because my dad doesn't watch movies. He watches zero movies on his own. He will only watch something if it's randomly on TV and involves some kind of gunshot violence or something like that. And he doesn't even watch any kind of TV. But I remember him specifically being like, oh, this is a cool movie because it was Sylvester Stallone driving around in a truck with his son right there shotgun. And he goes and competes in arm wrestling competitions. Which is as cheesy as maybe a plot line you can come up with a movie. But it was something just so cool to finally see my dad enjoy a movie. From them, you know, arm wrestling and him doing the thing where he turns his hat around and goes right in for the slam. Oh, such a great movie. 
And if you're like me, you've never bonded with your dad over a movie. You got to find something with his interest. And if it happens to be 18 wheelers, well, check out Over the Top. Now, let's get to the most favorited road trip movie from you guys that was mentioned on Twitter. And it goes to Tommy Boy. Now, when you think about David Spade and Chris Farley as a duo, even though they weren't in that many movies together, I just feel like Tommy Boy and then Black Sheep later cemented that idea of them being just so good together. It's because Chris Farley is just so out there and commits to every single one of his roles. And then you have him paired with a guy like David Spade, who's a little small, kind of squirrely guy. I, you just can't ask for a better recipe for a comedy movie and put that into a funny road trip. And there's just so many things in this one that just kind of make it work. And probably the best scene in this movie has to be when they stay at the hotel from uh, David Spade knocking on the door with the housekeeping. And then, of course, the iconic... Bad guy in little gold. Richard, what's happening? <laughs> Some other great ones you guys mentioned were Almost Famous, which I felt is a good one. National Lampoon's The Original Vacation, where there's a bunch of variations of that. PB's Big Adventure. I think you could even classify Borat as a road trip movie. Into the Wild was a really great one. You got Planes, Trains, Automobiles. And then another really great road trip movie is a Goofy movie. Now, I did a whole little kind of highlight on this movie because I feel it's a very underrated Disney movie. But the whole thing is a summer vacation road trip with Goofy and his son, Max. And I think that's a really good one to watch. I think another really underrated one was We Are the Millers, which came out back in 2013 with Jason Sudeikis and Jennifer Aniston. So it's Jason Sudeikis' character who's going to Mexico to essentially bring these drugs back for this drug lord guy. And he assembles this team of these other people and they pose as a family. It's also Jennifer Aniston and Emma Roberts. And I think it's a really funny movie. One that probably got slammed more by critics than it should have been. Like, I think everybody who I know who've actually seen this movie thought it was actually pretty good. I really enjoy Jennifer Aniston in this kind of comedy space. If you could do more movies like this, I think that'd be awesome. So anyway, those are some of the greatest road trip movies of all time. At least in my eyes, if there was one I missed, hey, just hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at MikeDistro. Let me know. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 
Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. All right, so I want to start a new segment this week. I don't know how well or how long I can do this because I am calling it Rotten Reviews. And I have a theory and I want to do this experiment because I feel like when you go into a movie and you know that people have been saying that it's really a great movie and there's a lot of buzz around it, sometimes you watch that movie with an expectation to be held to that high review and then you see it and you'll be like, well, well, that wasn't that great and you don't enjoy it as much. But I think also the opposite happens. If you are told this movie isn't that great and you're like, well, I'm going to watch it anyway, and you go into it thinking like, oh, this isn't going to be great, your expectation is lower and you may actually end up enjoying it more. So I want to watch movies that have, I'd say, a 10% or less rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and I want to see if they were actually that bad because I feel... You know, really highly snooty reviewers, which I don't see myself as. I go into movies just wanting to enjoy it. And if it brings me any kind of joy or I get something out of the movie, I feel I can enjoy anything. I have different scales for different kind of movies, especially when it comes to comedy and horror. Like, you have to look at everything differently. But I feel sometimes critics just go into a movie already wanting to hate it for either the director or the actors in it or just maybe it's a sequel and they're like, oh, this isn't going to be great. And I feel... They've ripped to shreds sometimes really good movies. And even if you go on Rotten Tomatoes, sometimes the critic score will be so low, but it's like, whoa, the audience score is, you know, in the 80s or the 90s. So there's something wrong there. So what I'm going to do is watch movies that are called Rotten and see if they were actually that bad. Maybe my opinion changes because I know that critics have already said it's bad and maybe I'll find it a little bit better. And I decided to start with Adam Sandler, who probably has collectively... The lowest rated movies from an actor that he's, you know, produced and starred in. I think over all of his movies that came out in the later part of his career, they have all been pretty low rated. And I've seen a lot of these before I even, you know, started this segment. So what I did is watch two movies collectively that had the lowest scores that were actually sequels. So I watched Grown Ups 1 and 2 because I think his lowest rated movie that he starred in was The Ridiculous Six, which came out on Netflix. And I remember watching that and actually thinking it was okay. Now, why I think that Adam Sandler gets such bad ratings when it comes to Rotten Tomatoes, and I think it it kind of gets to him too because he even put out a comedy special that was called 100% Fresh because he wanted to give himself a good title that he knew that he would never get from critics. And I think, I don't think he's really changed the way he's done movies. Like, If you look back on Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore, his early movies were really just as ridiculous as the ones now. I think maybe he's just kept doing the same thing year after year and movie after movie that maybe we've grown up a little bit more and his movies have still stayed true. I just think he has a whole different kind of comedy style and he's not essentially making movies for critics or even making movies that are going to be smash box office hits. I think his movies almost work 
in a different way to where he's paying and making movies for TV and they get money through syndication and being shown back a lot. So I decided to watch Grown Ups 1 and 2 because collectively they have a combined total of 17%. Grown Ups 1 has 10% and Grown Ups 2 has 7%. So let's start first with Grown Ups 1. Now, I watched this movie thinking, okay, this is going to be pretty bad. And I was pleasantly surprised that it was actually a decent movie. Now, this one actually has a plot line, which a lot of these crazy Adam Sandler movies don't really have one. So it's all these group of guys who play together on a basketball team as kids. They come back and reunite and after the passing of their coach. So they all meet at this funeral and then they just start hanging out and decide to go on a weekend trip to an old cabin in their hometown. And I think that part of it is kind of fun. Like, you just kind of turn your brain off and taking the idea of all these kids randomly meeting after being friends way back in the day, and now they're all hanging out together and remembering stuff from their childhood. That part of it is kind of fun. You also have a pretty incredible cast of characters. So what I think also Adam Sandler kind of does now is he just hires all of his friends. If you watch his movies, it's pretty much the same cast of characters switched out here and there. Even, like, his straight-up, legit, real-life friends are all in these movies that are really in no other movies than Adam Sandler movies. But in this one, you got Adam Sandler, Kevin James, Chris Rock, David Spade, and Rob Schneider. Now, what I kind of pegged down Adam Sandler movies now is they are basically live-action cartoons. They're almost like taking the Three Stooges from back in the day and applying them to a movie now. Because all of the crazy stuff that happens in this one, it's basically like watching a cartoon. It's watching like a mix of, like I said, the Three Stooges and Looney Tunes put together into these grown men doing these ridiculous things. And it is pretty dumb. But I felt like this one I actually got some laughs at. Now you're looking at a 10% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And I don't see why it gets such a low rating. Like I get it that it's not maybe uh, up to par of like a Judd Apatow comedy. Or not even up to par of like a Waterboy or a Billy Madison. But I think there's still just something charming about these movies. I feel they're almost like family type movies in a way that Adam Sandler's kind of put himself into. Where it's still kind of being appealing to his older fans who watched his movies back in the day. I think it's a weird kind of space to operate in. And when you have these critics kind of going out of these Adam Sandler movies and going right into finding all the things that are bad about them. Yes, the acting isn't great. Yes, the storytelling maybe not completely existed. It probably has the plot line of maybe a 20-minute TV show told over a movie. But I just feel it's so ridiculous and so kind of out there and trying to be dumb and obscure and obscene that I feel it actually works. And it's kind of weird seeing somebody like Chris Rock, who's just such a great stand-up comedian and probably one of the best of all time, work his way into movies and almost not being as funny because in this one he's just kind of delivering like these quick little jabs and these lines and it's weird how that kind of doesn't translate sometimes i think he's probably the hardest for me to watch in this because i know how funny he is but in this one he's a little more cheesy but overall i don't think it deserves a 10 percent. if i were to rate grown-ups 2 i would probably give it a 60-65% rating, I would even give it like a 2.5 out of 5, which I still feel is pretty good for having such a low critique rating. And that's right around where the audience score actually is for this one, so I feel it kind of holds up. So you're looking at about a 50% difference about what critics said about it and what actually 
people liked about this movie. So did it deserve to win awards? No. Did it deserve to win Razzie Awards? I don't even think this one was his worst movie. So I actually say, if you're looking for something so ridiculous to watch and just turn your brain off to you and just like to sit back and maybe have a snack and watch a movie, I think this is kind of a great movie for that. And I love movies that exist for that reason. They don't have to be these super highbrow movies that get you thinking about something or even the comedy doesn't have to be super refined i think just having something slapstick and funny has an appeal of its own and i think that's what grown-ups one does so doesn't hold up to that 10 percent. i think it's way higher than that i'd say it's passable it deserves a passable grade and maybe this experiment works of going into it so low and actually enjoying the movie but next i'm gonna get into grown-ups two where hmm not sure i'm gonna say the same thing about that so take a quick break and do that You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. All right, now let's talk about Grown Ups 2 continuing this Rotten Reviews segment. So this one has a 7% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a 53% audience score. Now, I said, like I did about Grown Ups 1, I actually ended up enjoying it, thought it was a pretty good movie for what it was. I'm going to say the complete opposite for Grown Ups 2, because while I felt Grown Ups 1 actually had a plot line, they were actually trying for this, have some kind of a story in that movie, this one... It's pretty much all over the place and goes from scene to scene, and it actually feels like they're making it up as they go. I felt in Grown Ups 2, it was them just going from scene to scene and basically like, all right, let's start filming. Oh, what do you want to do? Well, how about you do this? Okay, cool. We'll go with that. And they were just filming as they go. Like, it was hard for me to believe that there were actually three writers on this movie because it was just so dumb and so bad. Because in Grown Ups 1, the whole thing was they were getting back together to honor and go pay their final respects to their old basketball coach. And this one, it's pretty much just everybody back together again, and nothing really happens throughout the entire movie. I'd say where this movie really lost me is it was just so cringeworthy. Like, the jokes just weren't there, and there was just stuff they were doing 
that was just so dumb and like, why, like, why is this still happening? Like, this isn't even remotely funny. But somehow they were able to make a movie that wasn't really funny and even just cringeworthy at moments. I was never actually bored watching the movie, which was the strange thing because while it is all over the place and really makes no sense, they are able to throw in all these kind of random things, kind of like they had in the first one. It's just like, okay, this is basically watching a live-action cartoon again. But I think with the celebrity cameo after cameo after cameo, like there's so many people in this movie, like Shaq is in it. Uh, the Lonely Island guys are in this. Stone Cold Steve Austin has a freaking appearance in this movie. And I think they're able to keep it interesting by just throwing all these random things at you. I was never actually bored watching that, even though I was just cringing and being like, holy crap, this is still going on. So kudos to them for making that happen. So going into it, knowing that it had such a low rating didn't really help this one. So I still feel like, yeah, it deserves a pretty low rating. I would maybe give it a little bit higher. Like I would probably give it the grownups one rating of like a 10%, a 0.5 out of five stars. They really just kind of phoned this one in. There's even just a bunch of jokes in this that I feel like don't really hold up anymore. And I feel like you should probably watch kind of making some another movie like this. The best thing I can say about Adam Sandler is that he keeps all of his good friends around and offers them jobs in the big Hollywood movies and keeps them employed. So shout out to Adam Sandler for being a good guy. But Grown Ups 2, believe the rating on this one. It ain't good. All right, that's the episode for this week. Before I hop out of here, I got to give my Instagram shout out, which I do every single week. And if you want to know how to get in on this, well, all you have to do is tag me in your Instagram story. Tag me on your main Instagram feed that you're listening to the episode. It could just be a screenshot of your phone or the coolest thing I think to see is when you take a picture of your car and it has it like on the dashboard. Like that's the coolest thing for me to see. So if you do that, I will for sure give you a shout out. But this one this week goes to at the Murphy Mayhem who posted on actually their main Instagram feed and said, listening to Movie Mike's movie podcast about box office bombs that we hold near and dear our heart. And that means a lot to me that you listen to the episode so much you put it in your main feed. So got to give you a shout out for that. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And I did get a couple questions on my Instagram story of that website I recommended to find movies that are streaming either free or the cheapest to rent. And it's called justwatch.com. Now, they don't pay me to say this. I have no affiliation with this website. I just use it all the time because you put in any single movie that you want to see and it pulls up everything from where you can stream it for free. Like if it's on Netflix, if it's on Hulu or Amazon, or if it's not on any of those, it'll show you all the places you can rent it from and you can see the cheapest one. So I use that a lot, especially when I know that a movie isn't on Netflix and I'm trying to find either somewhere else I can watch it because a lot of these older movies, they don't really have a home on some of these streaming services. So if you're wondering where to watch an old movie like maybe Pulp Fiction and it's not on Netflix, you just punch it in this website and it tells you where you can stream it or the cheapest place to rent it. So that's justwatch.com. Again, they don't pay me to say this. I just use it all the time and it's very helpful, especially when watching some of these older movies that I've been watching. All right, guys, hope you have a good week. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. I will talk to you guys next Monday. And until then, later. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.
This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.